We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. My next guest is a gentleman who really needs no real introduction on this radio station. Um, he is the popular speaker on the In Touch broadcast, heard weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. and again at 9.30 p.m. He's just written a new book called The Reason for My Hope, How God's Grace and Love Will Strengthen, Rebuild, and Restore. And Dr. Charles Stanley, pleasure to have you with us again. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here with you, Craig. Let's, uh, let's perhaps kind of get updated on uh, what God's been doing in your life, and, and specifically... Um, why now at this time a book like Reason for My Hope? Well, I think the primary reason is that uh, as I read the letters that come from all over the world and uh, listen to people's expressing their heart and their feelings, there's an underlying theme that I hear and feel in all of them almost, and that is the sense of hopelessness and helplessness, looking for a sense of direction and purpose and meaning in life. And the more I listen to those and or I sort of felt what people were feeling. I thought, somehow, people need to have a reason to hope, no matter what their circumstances are. And so that's really what motivated me. And, of course, part of the irony here is that many of the people that you are describing, these people that have a sense of hopelessness, are not people outside of the Christian community, not those that have never been exposed to the good news of the gospel message, but rather believers who, for some reason, have uh, failed to completely understand the, the depth of God's love, the, the beauty of, of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Right, and you know, I, I say this, uh, Craig, I believe you could take these letters from whether they're from China, Russia, Germany, Brazil, or San Francisco, or Atlanta. If you put them all in English and put them all on the same kind of paper, you couldn't tell which country they came from because people are hurting for the same reasons everywhere, believers and unbelievers alike. You're exactly right. You start this book by bringing out a very important point, and that is that mankind is created by God to both love and be loved. Absolutely right. Now, when we see ourselves in the headlines every day, the violence that takes place in society and the uh, the anger of, of late, people are talking about road rage where people are driving their you know vehicles into other cars because somebody cut them off or failed to give a turn indicator or something. I, I have to wonder if, if maybe people look at the idea of man being created um, by God to love and be loved, if, if what's taking place in society today isn't a little bit contrary to that. Well, I think the reason is that so many people feel unloved, and to feel unloved is to leave a person very empty, very lonely, no matter who they may be living with or who they're living around. If you feel unloved, there's a sense of loneliness, rejection, feeling shut out, and most people do not know what to do about that, how to respond. They don't believe God loves them. They don't think they're worthy of being loved, and so there's an anger that builds up, and as it builds up, it's going to be expressed in some fashion or the other, and oftentimes they're crying out, pleading for somebody to love them, but they don't know how to go about it. I 
find it interesting in the book you talk about an experience that I think many of us have had, um, and that is being believers and yet having the sense that we serve a very distant God, even perhaps to the point of having an image in our mind that we serve not only a distant God, but an angry God, a God that is there ready to pounce on us every time we make a mistake, every time we make a wrong move, and, and, and therefore perhaps it's difficult sometimes to think of God in, in loving terms or to be open um, to that channel of love coming from him when we have this imagery in our mind that God is, is anything but love. Well, I think a lot of people have been taught that. I think, uh, I know growing up in the church that I grew up in, the idea of God was not a God of love and kindness and mercy and goodness, but he was a stern God whose uh, judgment was uh, always hanging over my head. I was scared to death, and I suppose a little bit of fear keeps you out of a whole lot of sin, I'm not sure, but <laughs> it certainly worked in my life. And uh, I think a lot of people believe that's the kind of God we serve. They see him as a God of judgment and a God who is cruel. They see all the things that are happening in the world that are bad, and they blame God for it. And so, again, if, if you don't believe that God loves you, then you, you have to decide, oh, what kind of God is this? If he's not a God who loves me, he must be a God who's against me. If he's against me, then I'm going to have a sense of hostility and anger and hopelessness because if God's against me, then ultimately I've had it. You tell a story in this new book, Dr. Stanley, that I think represents the lives of many people today. You, you talk about one parishioner that came to you, a man who um, had been working 50, 60 hours a week, um, trying so hard to win his employer's approval, uh, or at the very least to, to remain employed. At the same time, a man doing a great deal of volunteer work in the church, uh, being busy in committees and things of that sort, and then lamenting the fact that he had so little time with his family that he recently missed uh, his daughter's softball game or a son's um, high school football game, perhaps, where the, the, the boy um, you know, brought in the winning touchdown and dad wasn't there to see it because he's engaged in so many other things. And from there, you bring about this idea that we as believers not only seem to be working very much on a work-based Christianity instead of a faith-based Christianity, but we also, within that context, seem to be struggling and working very hard, constantly looking for God's approval. I think you hit right on the head, Craig. Most people today, I feel, uh, do not believe that God approves of them. He doesn't love them, and therefore they're working themselves to death to get his approval, someone else's approval, acceptance from God, and not realizing that God accepts us just the way that we are. While he's working on us and changing us, his love for us couldn't be any greater than it is. It's not going to ever grow any less than it is already. And so people get misdirected priorities because... Their, their understanding of God is so totally unbiblical. We are working for God's approval and at the same time thereby unavailable to accept God's love, uh, right. thinking that we're always falling short. And it's, uh, it's, it's one of those endless things because how will you ever know you have his approval by how much work you do? And I know most people think, well, I need to work a little bit harder, read a little bit more, pray a little bit longer, fast a little bit more. And there's no end to that. It's absolutely endless, and it begins to, begins to be hopeless, and therefore they say, what the heck? I mean, I might as well give it up and quit. I can't live it anyway. Is this in part, Dr. Stanley, because in, in man's um, uh, finite mind, we just cannot comprehend a God who would show infinite love, um, who would allow his own son to pay the price for us? This, this kind of unconditional love is so foreign to most relationships between human beings that I, I I would suppose we have a real difficult time accepting or, or um, uh, processing the idea that there's anybody who could possibly love us so much or love us so unconditionally. 
I think that's true. And, and uh, when you talk to some people about how God loves them unconditionally, it's totally foreign. Somehow they just have to feel like they have got to deserve it in some fashion. And sometimes I think it's their pride will not let them accept what they don't have to work for. And the very idea that when Jesus Christ died, he paid all their sin debt in full. Somehow they just feel like, well, you know, I think I'd feel better if I thought I'd paid for some of it, you know? Mm. And it's difficult for many people. Well, it's difficult for some people to accept other people's love, a sense of feeling unworthy. I think that's a, that's a major feeling that's out there. I feel unloved, therefore I must not be worth anything. I must not be important. And again, that the reason I'm not, uh, you know, there's something wrong with me, and therefore why should anybody love me? God couldn't. I don't love myself. And, and so it's a, it's a terrible trap. Rejection and lack of acceptance is a horrible trap. If we were addressing the non-believer, it might be understandable, uh, pitiful, but yet understandable, uh, because these people, of course, are are separated from an understanding, a relationship with God. And yet, unfortunately, what Dr. Stanley describes uh, is very much indicative of what's going on for many believers today. And I would pose the question to you, are you feeling a bit unloved or unlovable? Uh, Do you find it hard to accept, to fathom that God could possibly love you unconditionally? Um, When we come back, We'll continue the conversation. We're talking with Dr. Charles Stanley about his new book, The Reason for My Hope, How God's Grace and Love Will Strengthen, Rebuild, and Restore. And in the conversation, we'll also spend some time focusing on those three key words, strength, rebuilding, and restoration. Special opportunity today to spend some time visiting with Dr. Charles Stanley. Of course, you hear him each weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. and again at 9.30 p.m. here on KFAX. Speaker on the nationally syndicated in touch program and uh, with us today to talk about this new book the reason for my hope we'll take a brief time out give you a chance to get lined up with your comments and questions for dr stanley and then back to more of the conversation as lifeline continues here on kfax and now back to lifeline with craig roberts if you're just dialing in, we're in conversation with Dr. Charles Stanley, speaker on the In Touch broadcast, author of a number of best-selling books, including his latest, The Reason for My Hope, How God's Grace and Love Will Strengthen, Rebuild, and Restore. As the young man mentioned, we've got a couple of lines that remain available, so jump in while the getting is good, because things will go fast. Let's go first up to Santa Rosa, and we have a first-time caller to the program, Langdon. Good afternoon. You're on Lifeline with Dr. Charles Stanley. Oh, praise God, Craig. Uh... Well, bless you, Dr. Stanley. I've been listening to you for nine years, and I just thank for your ministry, Lord. Uh, Dr. Stanley, I'm sorry. Uh, Dr. Stanley, uh, your teaching uh, has opened my eyes on so many issues. You've unlocked God's mystery in so many, so many cases. And what I want to ask you to uh, speak on is the old nature and the new nature. Do we still have the old nature? When we come to Christ. Oh, you want me to answer that now, all right? I would say, I know that a lot of people who think we have two natures, I personally don't believe that. I think he gave us a new nature. That does not mean that I don't have the potential. Uh, and I don't have uh, within me that um, often sometimes that desire to be disobedient to God. It's not my nature to be so. It is my nature now to walk obediently before him, to trust him, to love him. Uh, what motivates me is not... Uh, a sin, what motivates me is to do the will of God, so that when I falter or fall in some fashion, it is not my nature to do that. I'm acting out of character and out of my nature. And Paul didn't say we had two natures. He talked about the struggle that he had, but he thanked God for the victory that he also experienced. And so my feeling is while I have a potential 
and I have the possibility. And any time I choose to exercise my will and disobedience, I can do that. But that is no longer my very nature to do so. And then in Colossians, it said that that we have a new heart because we've been uh, circumcised, not by the flesh now. And, and and I believe that's what it teaches. Uh, but so many will refer to, I think it's Romans 7, where I continue to do these things and I don't want to do them. And they can people continue to believe that because of that, we still have that old nature. And well, I've, I've tried to give that teaching, but they they just don't seem to can't hear that they don't know why they continue to sin so they still think that they still have that old nature well i think a lot of people have been taught that from the pulpit for years and years and years and it seems like a reasonable thing to believe because of the way they act but the way i act does not necessarily mean that's what i am in other words what i do is not necessarily what i am it's an expression of what's going on inside of me but just like a child they have to learn to walk and after you not trust the lord jesus as their savior there's a lot of stuff left over in us we are like uh unpolished stones and god has to work in a life and he says he predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son and so even though i have a new nature a new spirit a new sense of direction for my life doesn't mean i'm perfected and therefore there are going to be times when i'm going to act like i used to be not the way in other words not the way i am because of my relationship with christ you know dr stanley the the strange irony here is sometimes this business of promoting the idea of of man as as a new creation still having the old nature is almost taken as a license to sin uh, when we stumble when we go in the wrong direction well that's the old nature you right. know almost dismissing the, the the severity of what we've done i think that's true and it's a it's a simple answer and say well you know what that's just the way i am no it's not the way you are it's the way we act when we're acting out of, of the true identity of who we are in Christ Jesus. I wonder, too, what do people do with the passage of Scripture? You're a new creation, a new creature in Christ. Behold, old things have passed away. Everything has become new. I mean, I, I would suppose when it comes to a, a bit of, um, uh, of apologetics there, <laughs> they run into some trouble, don't they? They do. And what they say is, well, they say, well, yeah, but this is reality. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> there's the Bible and then there's reality. reality. Yeah, that, that's good theology. <laughs> All right, Langdon, thanks so much for your call today. Talking about this business of, of accepting God's love and the idea, Dr. Stanley, that, that so many of us out there are working so hard looking for God's approval. And I suppose connected right to that also is the idea that um, it, it's a great excuse to keep up legalism, uh, fearful that if somehow we fail, that we're not uh, busy doing all of these things and all constantly on that treadmill for Jesus, that uh, uh, we might somehow uh, slip in, in God's approval ratings and God would come in and withdraw his love. I think a lot of people are afraid of uh, freedom. They can't stand freedom. And while we must have truth, we also must have God's grace because if you have truth without grace, you've got legalism. And if you have grace without truth, then you have uh, indulgence in your life. And so a lot of people, they, they, are, they feel safer if they've got to live up to rules and regulations and somebody telling them what to do because they don't know how to enjoy the freedom that Christ has given. And, you know, I hear people say, well, you know, what you're saying is you can just live in the way you want to. No. When you understand the grace of God and you're born again, the desire within your heart is not to sin against God, but to walk obediently before Him. And the more grace I understand, the more obedient I want to be. Next, we'll go to Larry on a car phone. Hi, Larry. You're on Lifeline with Dr. Charles Stanley. Hi. Thanks for taking the call. Hi, Dr. Stanley, it's nice to talk to you. I've been listening to you for years, and I can't tell you how many times I've just really been through transitions when God has just asked me to get up and turn the radio on, and there you were, and 
helped me through some critical times because he's delivered a timely word to me. And such as today, uh, the thing that you're talking about today, uh, I finally, talking to someone this morning, we discovered that I'm one of those people who have been working to get God's approval and doing all the right things, but uh, having experienced uh, negative things with my own father, early life, I always feel that God is, you know, a God of judgment that he would treat me the way my father did when I did things wrong. But um, I think uh, it's very helpful, the information that you, you're giving, and I don't have your book, but I'm on my way to the bookstore right now to get it. But I just want to let you know I appreciate your ministry, and if I had the time one day, I could tell you some remarkable things that happened when I was listening to you on the radio. Well, I'll tell you what, Larry, drop him a note sometime. I'm, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks well, thank for your you. call today. That leaves uh, let me just say this about that, because he brought up a very important point about he and his father, because I believe that's where we get our first image of what God is like from our parents. And I know in my own life, my father died when I was nine months of age, and so he was not there. And for years and years and years, in fact, I was in my 50s before I can say that I really and truly personally, genuinely experienced uh, God loving me. And I knew he did in my, in my head and in my mind, but as, as a kid, as a child, my father wasn't there, so he was gone. I always felt like there was something between God and me. There was just sort of this vacuum out there somewhere until I came to a real crucial experience in my life where uh, for the first time in my life I realized uh, what had been missing was not this, this thing between God and me was not sin. I confessed and repented and tried to, you know, drum up something that I could get God's approval over. And finally, I realized it wasn't what was there. It was what was not there and that I had not experienced God loving me. I think I certainly felt unworthy of it. And yet the moment one of my friends said, your father just picked you up in his arms and held you, how do you feel? And I told him, I said, I felt warm and loved and secure. For the first time in my life, I realized that... I did not understand what it meant to experience God's love. And I hear this everywhere I go. People saying, you know, I, I know God loves me, but I don't feel it. And so often the first thing I say is, well, tell me about your relationship to your father. I tell you almost without fail. And so I didn't have a very good experience with my dad, or he walked out on us, left us early in life, or he died, or he treated me horribly, abused me, whatever it might be. Fathers have an awesome, 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 awesome responsibility to love their children because their children are going to determine what God is like for the way their father treats them or is absent and does not treat them. I, I've always thought this uh, this debate that rages in many mainline denominational churches over um, so-called inclusive language and the attempt to try and make God or even Jesus somehow gender neutral and often the expression as well um, there are so many men that have been hurt by their mothers or uh, women that have been hurt by their fathers and they just can't deal with the image of a of a good father etc etc. I, I, I think this really ties in exactly not only what you're saying in this point but also the fact that perhaps many Christians detach themselves. Uh, they, they remain somehow emotionally detached uh, from being open to receive the fullness of God's love simply because they're afraid of being hurt. They're afraid of somehow God stepping in and, you know, with the big billy club again and, and withdrawing that love. I, I think you're absolutely correct. And uh, they've been hurt and hurt and hurt. And so therefore they just can't risk getting hurt again. 
If you've just joined us, Dr. Charles Stanley, the familiar voice from the In Touch broadcast, he's got a new book called The Reason for My Hope, How God's Grace and Love Will Strengthen, Rebuild, and Restore. And that's exactly what we're focusing on today, strengthening our relationship with Jesus, uh, rebuilding our relationship in some cases, and restoring our sense of hope, um, our sense of, of love, of, of being, of belonging unto the Father, uh, remembering that we were bought with such a great price. And we're discussing this today and, of course, entertaining your questions, a full switchboard right now but if you'd like to join the conversation we'll let you know when the line opens up and now back to lifeline with craig roberts we're back to dr charles stanley we'll go to belmont next and say good afternoon to bill hi bill you're on lifeline welcome hi thanks for taking my call uh dr stanley i read uh, some of your books and i had a question on uh something that was mentioned on your book called how, how to handle adversity on page 115 and 116 of that book all right. It uh, mentions about God putting people on the shelf. Now, uh, I don't know. I'm not exactly clear on what that means, but I, I remember when uh, reading that and perhaps listening to some of your broadcasts, I began to think that maybe that had happened to me. And as a result of different circumstances and maybe misinterpreting whatever, but I concluded that God had put me on the shelf and that there was no hope of getting back. Uh, I'm not saying that that's what you're teaching, but this is a concern that I have in, in reading that section of the book on page 115 and 116 of the book that I referred to. Well, I'm glad you asked me, and if you remember, uh, the title of that book is How to Handle Adversity, right. and I talk about advancing through adversity, how God uh, brings us through it and what His purposes and goals are. Right. And I think a person can, if they keep on, if God calls you to a particular uh, area of service and you and you rebel and rebel and rebel and just keep on rebelling and going to have it your way, right. then I think God will uh, set you aside until you are willing to repent and deal with whatever God's trying to get you to deal with and put you back into service. God's willing to pick up the pieces at any moment a person is willing to surrender themselves to them. So adversity, God uses adversity not to remove us but in order to get us on the, on the right path to do what he's called us to do. So if you're on the shelf, you're on there because you chose to be there. You can get off the moment you say, God, I choose to deal with this. I choose to yield myself to you. Whatever you want to do in my life, God, I'm available. And, friend, you get off the shelf. Is there a point of no return? Though? Let's say a Christian continues on in rebellion, and you gave examples in your book where people actually continued on in rebellion and, and their lives were, were terribly messed up. But is there a point of, of no return where God says, I'm sorry, you're finished? And I, you cannot get back to serving me at all. There is no way. The, the story of the prodigal son eliminates such an idea. God is willing to take you back. Now, a person can sin against God and sin against God and rebel against God until God may choose to take them home. And nobody can say, well, that's why this person died or that person. He talks about the sin and the death. Right. But God is willing to pick up the pieces of our life uh, at any moment. But if there is an absolute intense rebellion against him and there's no desire and no intention of ever making things right with the Lord, then you know what God does is something else. But what you're talking about, uh, you, he says, where, grace, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The, the rich young, the uh, prodigal son was coming home to a father who had been waiting all along. All right, Bill. Appreciate the call. We'll go next with the line open at 888-4-KFAX to the city of Oakland. Sam, come on in and say hello to Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, hello, Craig, and hello, Dr. Stanley. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, I have a question about the uh, proper response to persecution and suffering in, a, in the life of a Christian. 
Well, I think the very first thing, which is the very, the most important thing, is that you have to ask yourself this question. Where do these difficulties come from? They either have to come from God, they have to come from Satan, or they have to come from things we do to ourselves. That's where all adversity has got to come from, one of those three directions. Mm-hmm. So no matter where, what the source of that persecution may be, let's say that one of your friends at work or your family or somebody is persecuting you, if you can say to the Father, Father, what is your goal for this adversity in my life? In other words, he has to allow it. He may not be the source of it. He may not be something that God has sent into your life, but he has allowed it for a reason. So God, not how do I get out of this in a hurry, which all of us want to do, but Lord, what is your goal for this adversity in my life? And secondly, I think, I'd like to think I've learned this, I hope I have, and that is to see everything as coming from him. I I don't mean that uh, he is the initiator of it, but since he has to allow it, if I see it coming from him, it'll protect me from being bitter and hostile and growing angry and wrecking and ruining my life. So if I can say, Lord, what is your goal for this adversity in my life? And what it does, it takes my heart and my mind off of the other person. They're no longer the enemy, but I see them as a tool in something that God wants to do in my life. Now, I agree that there's some things that's very tough to deal with, and I've, I've had to deal with that myself. Very difficult situations where I think, now, Lord, it doesn't seem to be any good out of this. And yet the truth is, because he's a sovereign God, because Romans 8.28 is true all the time and not sometime, and because God is conforming to his likeness, God is in control uh, ultimately of all adversity. He has to allow it for it to get to a believer's life, and he will work it out to something good if I respond in the proper fashion. So a lot of it then is a matter of balance or, or taking a look at the other side of the coin. So many of us believe that diversity or, or adversity comes simply as punishment. Yeah. And, and what you're suggesting, Dr. Stanley, is that we need to look at this as a learning or a growing experience, much like, uh, well, think of Christ's 40 days in the wilderness. Now, there was adversity, and yet I don't think anyone would maintain that his 40 days there in the wilderness was because God somehow was punishing him. No, that's right. It's not punishment. In other words, adversity. Here's my my definition of adversity: is it, it is it is a it is a uh, adversity is a step in our life. In other words, it's it's a step. It's, it's a it's a time of difficulty in our life from which we can oftentimes take. Let's put it this way: it's a setback from which you and I can take our greatest leaps forward in our spiritual growth if we respond properly. I, I like that definition. Sam, does that uh, satisfy you with the definition? It sure does. All right, great. Appreciate the call today. Good to hear from you. Dr. Stanley is with us today. He, of course, the popular speaker on the In Touch program. Heard weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. and again at 9.30 p.m. here on KFAX. Dr. Stanley has written a number of best-selling books. His latest, just released by Thomas Nelson, is called The Reason for My Hope, How God's Grace and Love Will Strengthen, Rebuild, and Restore. And, and certainly that understanding of, of the hope that lies within God's grace and love helps us through all kinds of adversity. Let's go next to San Jose. We'll say good afternoon to another first-timer. Jerry, thanks for holding. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Stanley, I, 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 in fact, I just finished reading your, uh, your newest book, and I, I, it's been a blessing thus far. I appreciate that. Thank you, uh, sir. I, I do have a couple of questions regarding some application to some of the things that you said. One of them was in the area of when seeking God's will or when seeking direction that you need, that you want to take, provided you're in God's will, um, one of the things that you mentioned in the book is that rather than standing still and waiting on God to show you, if you will, uh, one of your suggestions was to, to go forward and look for uh, areas that, you, that God may want you to, to be involved in. 
um, and uh, hopefully that doors will open. My question is, uh, if if you if you go that route and doors are uh, seemingly being closed, um, when is it the time to stop and and wait upon God? And That's a good question because I believe one of the most important principles in the whole Word of God is this whole principle of learning to wait on Him. So many people think that waiting upon God is doing nothing. Waiting on God takes far more strength than it does just to go out and wandering around trying to do your own thing. When I mention the fact of moving ahead, for example, let's say that wherever you are in life and this, at this point and you are seeking God's will, you just keep doing with all of your heart what you're doing as obediently as you know how. If God wants to change your sense of direction, he'll give you, he'll give you a sense of direction about that. And so oftentimes we think that waiting is just passively sitting around. There are times when what we are doing, we must stay right by the stuff, don't do anything else, don't move, don't budge until God gives us a sense of direction. Sometimes you'll know that it's time to move out and start searching and asking the Lord that as you go to give you direction for your life. So it depends on what it is you're seeking the Lord's will about as to how absolutely still you must stay. Okay. And if in the seeking, if... If, if what you're seeking for, hopefully, is, is in God's will, how do you go about not uh, taking what you're seeking for and making that your goal rather than seeking God's perfect will for your life? Because sometimes you can get caught up in that. Right. I yeah. think I think you have to come to a place that you that you are fully surrendered and you get neutral to say, Lord, this may this may be what I want, but God, deep in my heart, what I really want is what you want. And when what I want is not what you want, you change my want, so what you want is what I want. And one thing for certain, God wants to show you his will. You don't, have to, you don't have to beg him to do something that he desires to do. And I do believe this with all of my heart. When you are seeking the mind of God and you want to do his will, and you are committed to doing his will, even if you and I, in the, with our best judgment, make a mistake, God will turn that mistake for our good because he knows the motivation of our heart is to do the right thing. Okay, that clarifies things for me. All right, and we appreciate the opportunity to do so, Jerry. Thanks for calling and thanks for listening. Dr. Charles Stanley, my guest on this edition, we're talking about his new book, The Reason for My Hope, How God's Grace and Love Will Strengthen, Rebuild, and Restore. About 15 minutes to go in this segment of our conversation, so if you've been kind of uh, pausing or hesitating before moving to the phone or thinking, well, gee, I, I don't know, should I call? Call a timeout, a look at traffic, and back with more of our visit with Dr. Charles Stanley as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And back to your calls. The first timer in San Jose, Diane, thanks for holding. You're on Lifeline with Dr. Charles Stanley. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm, I'm talking to you. Um, I don't know where to start. I haven't read your book, but I've read other books that you have. And I just really um, thank God for how he's using you to reach a lot of us. And um, I, I know you have. I have to be fast, but I just wanted to, to say sometimes I... I know God loves me, but um, in the last five years, I've lost both my parents, and I've had a lot of problems with family members, and it's not all their fault. It's not all my fault. It's just that thing that happens when families kind of, I don't know, split up or turn against each other, and it all has to do with, like, you know, the money and the this and the that. And um, sometimes I feel really empty inside because I don't feel like, like my family really loves me. And I miss my parents. I'm sorry. All right. I just, 
I don't know how to, um, sometimes it's like, I don't doubt God, but it's, it's like, how come I always feel this way and it never really gets, it's like a hole. I know I haven't given him everything and I need to, but, um, sometimes, like I said, I just don't know how to, how he can really, it's like, I'm not going to be loved by them the way I was loved by my parents and I don't even know really how much they do love me. It's kind of a me against them situation. I have a lot of friends that are really nice to me, but it, it doesn't replace a uh, family. So I I don't know how to get to that point you know, where God, you know, like people say, God needs to be your all. It's still hard for me to, to grab. <laughs> not well, grab. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, are you sure that you've been saved? Yes, I'm sure. All right. Second thing, uh, how did you get along with your parents? I got along with them very well. Um, what about was, your father? My father, I was very, very uh, close to, very... I got along with him better than my mom. We understood each other better. I'm the youngest of three, and there's a, a quite a bit of age difference between me and the other two. Um, they, so, I mean, I had a good relationship with my dad. The, the one that I probably didn't have a good relationship with my mom she we were a dysfunctional family like many people uh she was a manic depressive there's a lot of things i didn't know that was happening in my family as i was growing up kind of just did you feel rejected by them um i didn't feel i don't feel rejected but i didn't feel rejected by them um sometimes i felt like my mom caused a lot of problems because of her own illness mental illness and now you know there's like a big mess and they're gone and um i i've forgiven her um it's just the relationship with my brother and sister that you know is, is hard it, it's hard they're not going to be mom and dad but i feel like i don't know how to explain it well do, do you feel lonely yeah i yeah. feel very lonely well let me just say this you can't always control how other people treat you i do understand that but the most important thing you can do at this point in your life is to develop an intimate personal relationship with the Lord. And I know people say, well, if that doesn't take the place of somebody, I can tell you that there is something about that relationship with, with Him that you absolutely can feel totally contented whether you've lost someone whom you love or not. And it's a matter of, of turning your focus upon Him and not toward those that... Uh, Maybe do not make you feel as loved as you'd like to feel. One thing for certain, God loves you with all of his divine heart. And it's so hard oftentimes for us to feel love for someone we don't see, especially when we can't feel love for someone we do see. And yet, I, I can tell you from experience, I know that no matter what you lose or how people treat you, if you get your focus back on the Lord and get in his word, and tell him that you need to experience his love. And just tell him, God, I need you to put your arms around me and just hug me tight. You say, well, God, how can God hug me tight when, when uh, I, he's not physical? Because what really satisfies us is not something physical, but something that is spiritual, something that reaches to the depths of our spirit and gives us a sense of fullness and contentment and joy. And I can tell you, no matter what you're going through and who is not in your life, he will be sufficient because he desires to fill you up with himself but you've got listen you've got to get in the word you got to keep stop looking at other people most people don't know how to love you to begin with so you can't expect them to love you oftentimes 
You have to get in the Word and just say, Lord, I need to hear from you. I want you to speak to my heart. I need to be encouraged, God. I need to be loved by you. And I need to be able to experience and feel you loving me. God will not ignore that request. Diane, I know it's tough, but I appreciate you um, for calling today right. and, and being so honest and want to encourage you just to, to take Dr. Stanley's counsel, get into God's Word, and reach out to God. And as you do so, uh, you are guaranteed that He will reach back to you. Let's move along next and uh, try to get a few more calls in here before the end of our visit with Dr. Stanley. We'll go next to Castro Valley, and we'll say good afternoon to another first-timer. Aaron, thanks for holding. Oh, Dr. Stanley, it is so good to talk to you, and I I just wanted to say that uh, the Lord certainly has used you to get the message to me, and I want you to know that In Touch Ministries is in my prayers. Thank you, uh, sir. Dr. Stanley, I wanted to tell you two things, the good and the bad, and then I want, you, I want your call on, on what you think is going on here. Uh, I was baptized 24 years ago and uh, grew for about four years uh, in, in the Word and then became a prodigal son for about 20 years. And this last year... Uh, last April, uh, I rejoined the church, and uh, which was wonderful. Placed membership, felt like I'd come home, felt, had the right congregation. Uh, I started got to a point where uh, I would get up and lead the congregation in prayer, and uh, I would help in communion, and uh, it got to a point where I preached two sermons in the past year, and I feel like I've just grown tremendously. On the other hand, the day I place membership i ended up in an emergency room with about 15 stitches in my face um i've been through bankruptcy i've been through divorce i've been wrongly thrown thrown in jail uh, five days after i preached my first sermon i wrongfully was fired from a job um i've, I've been in an automobile accident i've been in an industrial accident it's been the worst year of my life uh i feel like job i in uh, so i'm sort of at a crossroads now i'm you know, out of the job and, and, and pretty down on my knees, but not down on my faith. And I just keep praying, God, what what are you showing me? What do you want me to do? And, and uh, you know, when you did your your uh, uh, your lesson on Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine, you know, I'm I'm trying to find where where God's power is perfected in my weakness because I really feel that weakness right now. Well, I would say you you have a right to ask a lot of questions, and I, I wish I could sit down face-to-face -face with you. But let me say this. When I hear you talk about all these things you're going through, I just want to, get, I want to encourage you by saying this to you. God is getting you ready for something. In other words, God doesn't allow these things, and as much turmoil and adversity you've had in your life, he's not, allowing, he's not sending that in your life to find out what you would do. He already knew that before he allowed it to come. And it just may be that God is preparing you to serve him in a fashion that uh, right now, look, you ask yourself, how in the world could I ever serve God? But you just look what he's brought you through. He has sustained you and loved you and kept you no matter what's happened. And you're still hanging in here and you haven't given up your faith. And even though we don't always understand why God allows so much, I, I, you know, I have been in that place in my life to think, Lord, I don't think this is necessary. And yet, not knowing his mind, it's not for me to tell him what's necessary. But I do believe if you get your focus on him and just say, the Lord, what is your goal in my life allowing all this? And I'll tell you something else. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and look what Paul went through and then read and then re rehearse, put down beside on a sheet of paper what Paul did and then put down on a sheet of paper beside what Paul did, what, what you've been through. And then look what God did in Paul's life and ask yourself the question, God, what are you up to in my life? And what is your goal for allowing all these things in my life? Friend, he says, if we'll seek him, we'll find him. 
God will show you exactly what to do. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get used to that thorn in my flesh. Uh, and and I, I, I keep hearing, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. And, uh, and, and that's the only thing keeping me going right now. Hey, Aaron, let me ask you, have you run out of God's grace yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. And I, and I tell you what, just about the time you need a little bit more extra measure of that, God will come right along and provide it. Right. Dr. Stanley, I'm, I wanted to let you know that, that through all of this, uh, I am preaching a sermon next month on adversity. <laughs> Wonderful. I'll tell you, you can talk out of your heart, brother. <laughs> Amen. All right, Aaron. Take care. Hang tough. Thanks, Thanks. for the call. We're going to see if we can't slip one or two more in. We'll go to Atherton. And Frank, a first-timer. Frank, we've got about a minute to spend together, so let's use our time wisely. Dr. Stanley, I just uh, uh, have appreciated uh, uh, your ministry so much. Uh, you've helped me uh, so much uh, during my life and in my life. And uh, uh, with my walk with Christ, I just want to say that uh, I love you and uh, I just think you're great. Thank you, sir. You have uh, uh, really helped me so much and uh, you've made so much of a difference uh, in my life and uh, I'll continue to listen to you and uh, I just want to thank you also for uh, being uh, the man of God that you are and uh, such a, a positive mentor and uh, role model for uh, people like myself and uh i just want to say that uh i really appreciate that and uh if i ever get a chance to meet you i i, I surely am going to take it i was uh riding back home from church today i, I heard uh, that you were on the uh, uh the the kfax line and I, I just couldn't pass up the chance to to thank you for all that you've done Thank you well, that's great, Frank. I appreciate the call, and I know that uh, the expressions of appreciation that you fo show by for Dr. Stanley are shared by a lot of people here in Northern California and certainly across the country. Thanks again for your call. Finally, we'll slip into uh, the city of Oakland, and uh, we'll ask Charles to come on in and say hello to Charles. Hi, Charles. Welcome. Very good afternoon to you, Craig, my brother. And uh, Dr. Stanley, I just want to echo the statements of love, respect, appreciation, uh, for all that uh, you have allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to do uh, with your life and through your life uh, as you have uh, so greatly impacted me and uh, so many others, uh, friends of mine that I know uh, who have followed uh, your ministry and your teachings over the years. Uh, sir, your honesty, uh, your uh, self-exposure, uh, and uh, your uh, fervent uh, declaration of God's total character, his righteousness, his purity, his love, his grace, his justice uh, is uh, a joy in my life and, and so many others. And I want you to know that uh, your ministry is still impacting uh, new Christians uh, and those who have yet uh, come to Christ. And uh, I just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you very much. You're mighty kind. All right, Charles, I appreciate the call. And uh, Dr. Stanley, I guess we can kind of summarize by saying, isn't it good to know that you're not only loved by the people of God, but you're also loved by God himself? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Craig. Thanks again so much for your time. And again, I want to encourage listeners two things. Uh, don't forget to miss the broad or don't miss the broadcast, I should say, each weekday afternoon, 4 p.m., again at 9.30 p.m. here on KFAX. And uh, also In Touch Weekend comes your way Sunday afternoons at 1 p.m., 
And then the new book, The Reason for My Hope, How God's Grace and Love Will Strengthen, Rebuild, and Restore. And as we've learned today, a lot of people are in need of that uh, strengthening, rebuilding, and restoration. The book is published by Thomas Nelson, available at all 10 Bay Area Western Christian bookstores. That's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.